Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I am unashamed. What about you? So we're back on unashamed. Hopefully everybody's patched in. I was dropping in and out. I guess Oklahoma's like any other place. You can't rely on the internet. Everywhere I go, one day it'll be good, the next day it won't. I found that out about now, 30 years ago. I found remember? it out 30 years ago, Al, when when they you, first introduced it. The big pit, remember. Jesus said, remember. You can rely on Jesus. Everything else is suspect. <laughs> Again, now you now you're getting in my zone. <laughs> so you know why though dad it's because al gore invented it i, I should have known oh. right then it was, it was a major problem i think that was the claim i'm not sure that claim has been validated <laughs> that's true uh yeah i was thinking about we were talking before we came on air because we're in mark chapter seven uh, about the idea of clean and unclean because you know the pharisees now are going to re-enter our story in the book of mark but it made me think when we were talking that how people have a different view of clean and unclean. Like, Jace, I would say, is it fair to say that when it comes to you, if you're talking about cleaning animals, you know, dressing down, dressing a game, that you have a different level of clean in your mind than maybe other people that dress? Well, I, barely, or- I very rarely eat meat that I have not cleaned. So that just weeded me out of most fast food joints because I didn't see the process. <laughs> and, and, but, and, but you've always been really persnickety about that. Oh, I mean, I you always have, and you, and you, you take extra care. It takes you longer to clean. Right. And it other does. people, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Just leave that in, leave that in there, leave those, you know, this there, that doesn't even make a difference. So there's a big difference and people looking at something that's clean versus unclean. No, there is. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. And we're, I mean, look, our family, we're food snobs. And I don't, I don't go out and eat much. I mean, so Missy will say, hey, this couple invited us to come over for supper. You know what my, my immediate auto response to that is? Invite them here. And you say, why? Because I want to do the cooking. Now, look, I'm not saying that's right. I need to sometimes uh, be uncomfortable, you know, for the for the name of Jesus. But I've, I've had some some terrible situations. And I remember a couple, we brought them to the Lord. They invited us to their house for supper. I tried to get out of it, but they just they had to do it because he he could cook deer better than any person. Well, I'm thinking to myself, Phil's rolling his eyes already because that's what I did. And I'm thinking, I told Missy, I said, he has brought up a subject and I may be overconfident, but I believe that no one cooks deer better than me because I start with the deer itself. I take the best eating deer. I prepare it carefully. There's no stopwatch or clock. I literally get out every sinew. I I go through a process where there's zero gaminess to this deer, and you never need a knife nor a fork. You call them, what do you call my deer? Uh, Deer nuggets. You just grab them, and it just dissolves in your mouth. It's one of the greatest treasures in life. So Missy's like, we need to do it, Jace. Think big picture. I go out there. And I just, when I walked in, the smell, because I have, I know you've lost your smell, and we don't want to relive that, but I have a very high sense of smell. And I smelled seven-year-old buck when I walked in. Just from the fry, I smelled burned grease, and I smelled, I thought, no, this is an old buck. So I immediately started asking a series of questions on the deer we're about to eat. And he showed me a picture of it, and I thought, this is this is never going to be good. No. 
when that first bite hit my lips and I made one chew, I immediately turned my head, spit it in my hand, grabbed my napkin, and I did that with the whole piece. And and when I got up to empty my plate, I, I threw that in the trash. It was unedible. For a long time, I wouldn't even eat anything of the wild game. I, I would not eat anybody cooking that but me. Yeah. Well, I think you trained us to have this. So it's difficult. We had a house church and when I was living in Louisiana. I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to tell it. I'm just not going to say the name. And, and I hope that this uh, brother does not listen to the podcast. If you if you do listen, just know I love you. But this was this was one of those experiences where, <laughs> where just, boy, you talk about a setup for throwing somebody out of the bus. You should hold. Look, I believe if we all held each other accountable, we do in every other walk of life to be successful. But when he gets to food, we don't hold people accountable. You know why? Because we don't hurt their feelings. I yeah. invite them over. Well, if they say, I'll come over and I'll fix the best uh, uh, spaghetti and meatballs you've ever tasted, Parmesan cheese, this and that. So uh, Jersey Joe showed up from New Jersey, looked around one day, and he said, let's get out of here. So they took off from New Jersey, heard us on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. They said, we're going to go down there and try to check that bunch out. Well, he invited to cook a meal for us. I said, that is the way we operate. I said, when you cook your meal, I said, we will we will say, I said, are you watching this? It'll be thumbs up or thumbs down, no matter where you got the recipe or whatever. Roman gladiator. So style. we eat a meal to see if he could cook, but thumbs up. I oh, said, really? okay. New Jersey, I said, the long way. But I just found out he his grandmother it. is the one where he got the recipes from. But he's coming yeah. tomorrow night. Now he's allowed. I don't go to his house to eat. He comes to our house and he cooks the meal. And <laughs> you can it, watch. It, it is it's, old Italian. It's old Italian comes forth in it. I mean, yeah. meatballs. Yeah. I mean, it's the, no, the best good. I've ever eaten. All right, finish your story, Zach. Well, you know, I was, I was going to say looks can be deceiving because so we we would do potluck style, which is always risky, right? And uh, no, that's not so risky. One guy, that, that's just stupid. I've never <laughs> been lucky on potluck. It, it, well, it, well, I've had a few. Okay, I've had yeah, a few you know, because when the word luck is yeah. in the title of the no. food situation, mm-hmm. you're already at a disadvantage. Plus, that's not the word coming, you want. If it's coming out of a pot, pot luck. That's that's why well, this, this 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 particular yeah. dish and this was that we've had several incidents with this this one chef or member of the house church that Willie was involved in one of them, which was a it was also deer steak that Willie was about four uh, four fingers into. And the guy said, yeah, you just got to marinate it in buttermilk on the in the back porch for a couple of days. And but but the but the one that was the worst was uh, he had made pig in the blanket, you know, like the where well, you take the. The sausage and you wrap it up in a some kind of like oh it's a real sophisticated concept that you buy a package of weenies and a package of rolls and you stick a weenie in a roll and heat (laughs) it up you call it pig in a blanket which sounds awesome and it'll make you gag but go ahead yeah i mean i'm not a big fan of it but but but, so he brings a whole plate of them and he's got like they're inside of a crescent roll and it's i mean it's cooked to perfection they're Right out of the oven, there's kind of got the golden brown color on them, and um, and my my buddy who our our mutual friend Gary Gary Glenn was like, oh, I love pig and blankets, and he goes up there and he grabs a handful, and I mean just the in the entire thing in his mouth, and I'm watching him because I I always watch this one particular guy. I didn't eat his food because of the the buttermilk thing on the back porch with deer steak. I, I was, I was out at that. So I always watch, what is he bringing? I'm not going to eat that. Well, Gary gets in there. He's all into it. And all of a sudden I can tell us like, something's not right. And he's like, and then the guy's like, yeah, I made those out of uh, Vienna sausage. So he had taken Vienna sausages <laughs> oh, man. and put yeah. them. That sounds great. <laughs> and they, it, it wasn't just Vienna sausage. They were expired by like two years. He said, man, those things are good a decade after they expire. <laughs> 
So I'm just saying that's probably it's it, it was risky. Why, so I never why, got why into are you the, not? I mean, you should hurt his feelings. There's some things <laughs> in life <laughs> that call him up and give him the episode. And I should. I mean, look, my my in laws got I'll mad. About that. Your my. daughter, your daughter had her friends come down. Easy. It was easy. about ten people in all. They told me to hit the road. They were going to Miss K taught them how to make chicken and dumplings, and then you eat what you just made. Miss K showed them, and they were outstanding. I mean, they, it was they, they did good. Well, my daughter can cook. Oh yeah. She well, she did yeah. well. No, look, so, I, I so had Al, I had to have a a uh, you know. I mean, here it is. I, I can't preach. I got to practice what I preach. So I wrote a book. Uh, shameless plug. Good call. It's been out a few years, but so in the book, I describe the encounter of my in laws and my being a food snob. Yeah, that was a, that was encounter. That was more like a clash. It was a clash, <laughs> <laughs> and I hurt their feelings, and we, you know, end up in a circle, you know, praying with tears involved over this <laughs> issue that I'm fixing to revisit. But I think we've learned, we've gotten past it. But because I just, I wouldn't go over to eat at their house. I've shared this story before, and I got as in as much trouble as I'm fixing to get in again. But I think we should hold each <laughs> other accountable. So it's like we're gonna eat. Texas surprise tonight. My mom's nope. famous Texas surprise. So I thought, well, they they pick something up in Texas, and they want to impress me. And I'm not embellishing. It was it was the box macaroni and cheese with squares of spam. They were browned and inserted in the macaroni and cheese. That's it. And I thought. They said, what do you think about it? I said, oh, I'm surprised at how bad this is. <laughs> I need to add to my prayer when I'm thanking God for the food. Lord, bless this so that it's at least edible and it won't kill you when you eat it. Well, it wasn't. I didn't feel like my life was in danger, but I'm just saying if we have this kind of buildup and we have something. Texas is a big state and has a lot of history. And this is one of the few meals that I'm coming over to eat. And it, it's something that anybody could take a box. There's instructions on the side. I mean, I've eaten in a, I've been in a tight spot where I had to get a box of macaroni and cheese. It's okay. Spam is a little more, I mean, I've had to be out of options, but I have eaten spam. But to build it up that big and then to combine those two things and try to eat it and say, boy, what a surprise. <laughs> yeah, you might be like your brother because Willie, if he really wants it first rate, he'll get a hold of some first rate chefs yeah. and come to his house, and they're the ones that cook the meal, which that's a pretty good way to ensure you have some pretty good food. Well, Willie's also got way more money than we got, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just ran across a couple um, in uh, down in Texas that I hadn't seen them in. I mean, 20 years and I had done their premarital counseling 20 years ago and she was telling the story. She was introducing Lisa at this women's thing. You know, Lisa was speaking and she told the story. She said she was at Texas A&M and she said, I was coming back to West Monroe because her husband was working for Duck Commander. And she said, I was so excited about, you know, being there. And, and I knew, you know, Pastor Allen was going to you know, really bring out some great stuff. And the first thing he said when we sit down together, he looks at Austin and says, Austin, let me just tell you something. If you compliment bad cooking, you'll get it for the rest of your life. Exactly. And, and it was funny. And it, but all the women laugh like, oh, can you believe he would say something like that? And I was looking around thinking, that was good advice. I was like, I was proud of myself, my 20-year younger self. That was that was excellent advice. But well, she, had, yeah, she didn't appreciate it. Well, I'm going to tell you the happy ending of this story. Through all our pain and misery and intervention and accountability and hurt feelings and all that, now my wife's side of the family, they once we, now that was a 10-year rough time, sore subject. It's hard to say, get out of the it, kitchen. Yeah, but look, now we're, we hold each other accountable. My wife has developed into a fantastic cook. Which shocked I mean, me, by the way. 
She's awesome, but no, it took yeah, years. Yeah, she can. Not she can months, cook. Not with people. The neighborhood gathers up when she cooks. She's awesome. But now look, that that's not to say that those years, it was a lot of pain and misery. <laughs> so having said that, I proposed something. I, I was not prepared for this line of thinking, but I want to propose something. Breaking news. I would like to eliminate two things in our society. Now, it always starts somewhere. I mean, Jesus started with 12 guys in a boat, you know. I think in our hang churches. On, this, hang on. This is so big that I yeah. want to take a break. So I want to tease this for the other side of a break. So we found out, Dad, that you have 362 joints from your neck down from the vertebrae to the back all the way down to your feet. And the older you get, that 360 joints, they're going to just sort of start wearing out. You know, it's just daily activity. Um, it ruins your sleep. There's a lot of bad things that can happen. Our good friends at Omega XL have given us a little bit of science background about what happens. When you're young, your bodies produce SPMs. Those keep your joints healthy. As you get a, bit, a little bit older, those SPMs begin to go down. You start having pain. You start having aches. Uh, we experience that just, you know, in getting older. So, Omega XL restores your SPMs, rejuvenates your joints and muscles, so you start moving around like you were when you were young. It's the only thing Dad takes. Uh, it's it, I love it as well. I've been taking it now for for a couple of years. It's a great relief and help. So we want to help you uh, get out of some pain as well. So here's what you do: go to omegaxl.com/fill. You're going to buy a bottle. You're going to get a second bottle for free. And so it's going to give you a, about a 60-day supply, which is what you need. So OmegaXL.com slash Phil. Or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 or OmegaXL.com slash Phil. I think society, and I cover all of society. We're going to go the world, and then we're going to go in the churches. There should be an elimination of two things. In the church side of it, we must eliminate potlucks because I'm going to tell you what they are. You look in there, these people look in there and they take whatever they got laying around and put it all together, call it a casserole. And they're send, not it, going to send it your way and shovel it out there and leave it on a table for about three hours. Yeah. And then we're going to go in there and hope we get lucky. <laughs> get rid of that so we eliminate that the second thing in the rest of society is we eliminate fast food we eliminate it and we turn all these restaurants and all this cooking and we do it and we call it slow food Yeah, the we one cook on purpose we don't care how long it takes we're going to do this right <laughs> And we're going to call it <laughs> slow food because guess what? Slow I'll wait. Food. I'll be at the front of the line or the back of the line. But if you can cook good enough and it's great, I'll wait. Yeah. We've trained. Oh, you uh, know that, we've helped you, train Jay Stone, who married our granddaughter, which is Al's daughter. He married that. And through careful observation and trying it, we've watched him. He wanted to be to cook things. But last night he had baby back ribs with a green salad. The baby back ribs were outstanding. Melt in your mouth, not tough. They had a good buff on them, you know. I mean, a little, little bark. A bark. Good bark on it. But they were outstanding. So bark Stone is, is allowed to come in. He recommends what he would like to cook because he wants it. And I said, we'll take what you want. He'll order it. We have the tenderloin or whatever waiting for him. Gets had the baby back ribs. We've ha we have it all ready for him. He goes in there, thaws it out one day out of the freezer, thaws it out, and then he cooks it to perfection. But he's a now he's a he's, he's a, no, great he's a great cook. No, I no, introduced. He's good, but Jace, oh, go ahead, Jace. Jace here's, I got a question because yeah. I I know I know our audience and I know that the question that some people are asking. Is where where does Chick Fil A fit into the? Is that one? Can that one survive, or would you even say get rid of Chick Fil A? It's the only fast food place I go to because they bring a spiritual and a uh, 
a trust element to to this. They're cordial. The food, I mean, it, it's it's pretty good. But they thank it's you. It's consistent. It's consistent. It's very consistent. Yeah. So we have decent food, but yep. they're very cordial, and they're it's our pleasure yeah. to do this. And so I can tell the fruit is freshly cut. That I've had no problems out of the chick. So I'm like, okay, and they're trying to do it fast. But guess what I'll do in Chick-fil-A where I wouldn't do at any other place? I'll wait. Why are the crowds gathered there so much? It, they, they, it's pretty good. And they're nice well, you about also, it. You, yeah, and you also know if you pull into a, a Chick-fil-A and they've got a line of 30 cars, I know that's in my mind. I'm thinking, oh, that's about five minutes, six minutes. If I pull into any other fast food restaurant and I see a line of 20, 20 cars, I'm like, I'm, I'm out because that's a 45 minute wait. So then what's happened is fast food is actually not fast anymore. Zach, you, you got to so. remember in the uh, kinfolk arena, you got to remember not many people at this stage are asking the dashers to cook for us all when they visit. Nope. We don't say anything. We feed them. They don't feed us. But well, here's a hint. Now, it's a hint. I'm just saying. Okay, let me give you some some. Uh, <laughs> That's I don't very wanna, unfair. I don't Jill wanna, is a great cook. I don't want to get Chick Fil A in trouble, but I got to say this. So I found myself on a plane one time with the guy who owns our local Chick Fil A, and I said, "Can I give you a, a bit of advice?" And he was like, "About what?" And I said, "About food." And he said, "Sure." I said, "You need to cook your fries." longer and he grinned he said yep that's come up and he said but most chick-fil-a's offer that now sadie's the one that discovered it in in our family which was a game changer and our local one they they offer that but you have to say it i want well done fries and they say well you'll have to wait well i just told you my philosophy i'm a slow food man I said, oh, I'll wait with a smile on my face. I say it every time. I said, I would love to wait because it's so much better. But you know why they do it? Because there's so many people. But he said, most people don't care. It's good enough. And I said, well, I'm not most people. And he said, that's why when you say I want well done, I was like, well, that's what I do. And he's like, well, you should be happy. I said, well, I'm happy. But I have been to Chick-fil-A's that they say, we don't offer that. And he said, well, that's unfortunate. So there's that. <laughs> a so, point. Jace, I've got, your, I've got your spokesman. So you know how McDonald's has the, the clown, um, Chick-fil-A has the cow. You know, everybody's got their little thing. I wasn't so aware got, of all this, but go ahead. Yeah, they, they all have a thing. And so I've, it, Burger King has the king, you know, that just you know, dances. So your spokesperson for slow cooking, this whole new movement, which I, I'm on board as long as we leave Chick-fil-A in, is Mountain Man. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> I mean, he could take a 30-second commercial and do it in about three minutes. Y'all make fun of me, does. but when you go to a fine restaurant and they hand you something that doesn't buzz in your hand for two hours, you're not. why are you there? Because you know this place is good. And and that's that, that's what I'm saying. We just, we just don't want to do it. I, I'll give Chick-fil-A a pass just because they're one of the few who actually made fast food a pleasurable experience. It will keep you alive. It's, it's pretty enjoyable food. They all have smiles on their faces, and it's done pretty quickly, but they're the ones moving fast. It's not necessarily – they're getting more people through. They're, they have people walking around. Al the brings the biscuits down, chick, little chicken and the biscuit uh, breakfast, whatever they call it. What do they call it, Al? Chick-fil-A Chick biscuit. From Chick-fil-A. Well, it's turning into a Chick-fil-A commercial. But if you ever see me in front of a Chick-fil-A, you know I'm waiting on my fries. And guess what? I'll smile at you and wave because I don't mind waiting. 
Well, I just learned something, Jace. I didn't know you could order well-done fries at Chick-fil-A. Well, I, let me nobody tell you gave me that. Listen to this. There's two things that will change your life. Jesus, obviously, and well-done fries from Chick-fil-A. Depending on your local Chick-fil-A if they offer that. I've said that to 100 people, and I would say 99 of them came back and said, thank you for making my life a little better. And they know it's better, but they don't have time. So I, that's what I'm getting into here. Now, it's going to be hard to fix Chick-fil-A in that. But, and like. Well, now now you've done told everybody. So what's going to happen is everyone's going to go ask for this. And they're going to probably take the take this little. Well, good for them. And away. we can use this as a catapult to start a movement across our, our society that embraces slow food. That's good. The slow food. Now, the food has to be worth it because I've seen people cook all day and it still make you gag. So we have to hold each other accountable at the same time. If it's no good, we're out of here. Wasting time then. That's right. All right. So So don't compliment that. You taught us early. Don't compliment bad cooking. We said all that because we had Mark 7 on our mind because – it's it's just a it's a misunderstanding here because most people who are not believers would read these first few verses and say, well, pff, Jesus was running around with a bunch of slobs who who were unclean and w- wouldn't even wash their hands. These are like it's basically the picture of people who wouldn't wear a mask during a pandemic. Here, I mean, yep. what what are they? Are they? Do you want to read it? Yeah, I read. Let's take a break. So Lisa and I have been on the road uh, quite a bit uh, for the last couple of months. Uh, most of the stuff we do now is for uh, for the pro-life movement, for the unborn. Uh, and we've had an opportunity to meet uh, some wonderful, amazing people uh, that are out there fighting for life. Uh, one of the groups uh, that we've met and worked with is a group called 40 Days for Life. Uh, they've been a... <clears throat> They've been a supporter of our podcast. Uh, we've had Sean, uh, their CEO, on our podcast a couple of times. Uh, they got a million volunteers in a, in a thousand cities. Uh, they they pray, they meet together, and they pray over, you know, young women, young men, the decision because it's all about that initial decision, uh, whether that life gets to an opportunity to live or not. And uh, so we stand behind these guys. We love them. We love what they're doing. They're out there changing hearts and minds. Uh, they particularly focus in the states that uh, abortion is still going strong, and they're trying to, to make a difference there, and they are. Uh, so we want you to check them out. Check out their locations. Maybe see about volunteering, joining, joining their prayer groups. Uh, they've got a great podcast. They've got a free magazine uh, that we've contributed to at 40daysforlife.com. Uh, to keep us updated in this post-row America. So that's 4040daysforlife.com. Check them out. All right, here we go. Uh, Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is unwashed. And the unclean is kind of in quotations in the NIV. And then Mark puts a little parenthetical thought here. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came, uh, when they come from the marketplace, they do, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So, so John's just giving you a little thing there that they're serious about the washing. Well, can I interrupt you? Key word, yeah. tradition, tradition, tradition. You're going to see that word over and over in this. Exactly. He's not talking about what God said. It's what they, they came up with. You got to remember Verse something five. too, Al, with, uh, with um, the microbes, the microbe uh, effect of food. When I make hamburgers... I open up the packs and I push them together with my hands and I put one on, two, three, four. I'm cooking four burgers. I could take the hamburger meat. It's raw hamburger meat in a package. I only use, if we buy it that day, very rarely does it stay over a day. Go get the meat, make sure it's fresh, get it down here. 
I'll make the patties. As soon as I do that, I have them searing on the bottom. Pan-fried hamburgers. I walk over and I wash my hands. I'm not washing my hands as a religious gesture. I'm just take. I don't want to have microbes that might have come off of the hamburger meat before trans- it's cooked, transported to the spatula. I'm fixing to turn them with. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I get it so completely. I'll, somebody told me they said, "How come you wash your hands every time after you get through patting the?" I said, "Microbes, microbes, microbes, so, microbes." So hot, 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 warm water. So Germs. I wash my hands and then I continue on. The next four hamburgers I make, I do the same thing. From there, to wash the hands, the back, because I'm going to put the buns on them. So I'm making sure my hands are clean. Just a thought. Not we for religious pre- reasons. We appreciate it, Phil. Not, not for religious reasons, for microbe reasons. And you do make the best hamburgers. Somebody told me over and over and over, anybody that eats my burgers, they say they are the yeah. very best. They are. And so there's a reason why you walk into a restroom at a restaurant, fast food or slow food restaurant, and it says employees wash your hands before you go back to the kitchen. Because if you don't, there's an increase of hepatitis A, microbes, to dad's point. And so so Jesus, the setting here is not that washing hands is bad. It's this ceremonial idea, because here's yeah. what we're going to get they're into. They're not doing five. this washing because they're doing it because traditions it's a spiritual well, thing. That, that's well, and I, since we've taken a break before you continue reading, I spent an hour of my life that I'll never get back looking up these the, their rules. It, it's hundreds of pages, difference of books centered around the washing of hands and the pitchers and the cups and the kettles. So you're talking about, I thought I was a germaphobe. We have a religious setting here where, I mean, it was just hard to explain what, what I read. It, it was, uh, you know, they had it down to the wrist line all the way to the fingertip in a certain manner of how this gets clean before you go. I mean, you eat, you know, three meals a day. This is a, this is a load. It makes it a little bit tough, wouldn't it, Jay? Yep. So, well, I thought about Jay's. Even you think about it coming forward, even now to this very day, we have something called holy water, which I don't know exactly how it got holy, but even to this day, people have traditions about water that are really yep. interesting. Yep. So, verse five. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, "Why don't your disciples live?" according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands. So what a question. I mean, that that's a, it's one of those, what they call the loaded question. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's just going to ease in there a little bit. You know, he's, he's like, I'm going to, how, how do I put this? Yeah. Gosh, he's funny. <laughs> I mean, he pretty much lets it know he doesn't appreciate the question, right? <clears throat> As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So this is interesting because he's quoting the Almighty, his father, and him, God, from Isaiah. You have let – go ahead, Zach. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say what, what what's interesting because that, that line, but they, uh, they in vain do they worship me. Yeah, to worship God in vain is actually it's a substitution. It's, it's, to, it's to replace yourself at the center of worship. Which is what the, when you when you impose the traditions of men on people as if they were rules of God, what that actually is, according to the writer of Colossians, the chapter two, is that it's it's self-imposed worship. You're actually putting yourself on the throne to be worshipped because you're saying, "Look at how holy I am." So that I think that's that's what's at the core of, of the heart here. But go ahead, keep reading it. No, I agree. And that's a great point because that's exactly what they're saying is why the question was framed in such a way as why aren't they like us, the super clean? I mean, that was the implication, right? It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that, you know, why, why did they not do this? It wasn't a sincere question. Let's take another break. 
So we pick it up in uh, in verse eight. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. So he, first he called him hypocrite. Then he quotes him Isaiah. Then he says, you're not talking about God here. You're talking about what men have come up. And then he says, and he goes on to say more, verse nine. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, which, by the way, that's my grandson's name. Uh, and then he says in parentheses, he describes what that is. That is a gift devoted to God. So he says, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition and you have handed down uh, that you've handed down and you do many things like that. So you see what he's saying is they've made up a lot of rules that go against the actual command of God. And this is just one example. I'm sure there were many, many more. You know, one of the basic things God told them to do, they came up with a countermeasure because they didn't want to be supportive of their parents. And so well, it's, he yeah. said, so you just come yeah. up with your own tradition. Yeah, I think immediately people are like, what does that mean, Corbin? I've, I've never heard of that. I mean, what? but they would they would deem all their money as devoted to God. So therefore, it's like, we would help you, but this is devoted to God. This is God's money. So yep. you get... So what they didn't say, but the meaning of that was, so you get nothing. Because they wanted to cash for themselves. But they had justified it by saying, oh, Corbin, Corbin, Corbin. Because, you know, you take care of you have family issues. Your brother come over, I lost my job. And you're like, Corbin, it's God's. I mean, he's more important. Because you can justify it by saying, I love you. You're my brother. But look, God, we got to put God first. So yeah, the, like, ir the irony here and the irony of this is that they, these particular people, what they, what their, their pride and their self-esteem and kind of their identity was wrapped up in the fact that they kept the law and they kept the commandments. And what, so it's interesting how Jesus is basically accusing them of you're not keeping any of the commandments. Like you, you don't keep the commandments. You, you replace the commandments with your own traditions and those you you may keep it. Those are those are your traditions. Those you're you're taking the commandment and then you're you're turning the commandment of which is about the heart and you're turning it into the letter. It, it goes back to what you mentioned in a previous podcast, Jace, about the church discipline and, and uh, that there was a one church had a document that was over 800 pages long. You know, like yeah. like when we're going, that's what happens. So we have a we, when you when you remove it from the heart to the letter then it's just a continual piling on, piling on more and more and more and more letters. And that's and you're sitting you know, there arguing that. about all these issues and all these rules and what Sister Mary on which pew that she sat on or whatever and all that. And meanwhile, the world is in need of Jesus and it's all a yeah. distraction and it becomes your own religion instead of us being surrendered to the king. And there's a lot of uh, examples of, of this. I mean, I guarantee you, if we were to ask, you know, the comment in the, uh, in the, in the comment section of what has been your experience of, of the traditions of men in the church being imposed upon people. I mean, there's a man, we could just our own experience here. I mean, we could just go down the list of things that, that I, I especially as someone that's, you know, done a church plant and, and I mean, and wow, you've pastored for a number of years. All of us have been involved in ministry. I mean, how many times have you heard someone complain about something? And you start, I mean, it, but it's not anywhere in the Bible. It's, it's it's a tradition that they were hanging on to. That they could not let that go because this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, almost every every split in a church or fight or whatever, terrible things, usually is man-made stuff. It has nothing to do with God or the Bible. You know, it's interesting because Jesus does something here really fascinating. Since he's God and he always has been, that was him. I mean, he was there too when, you know, when the Almighty was making that statement in Isaiah. And it's interesting because he shows you what that command, honor your father and mother, what was at the heart of it. 
you know, because you, you think about this kind of a broad thing. What does he mean? He means in their culture, what he did, how he set it up was people had children to basically take care of them when they got older. That was the whole process. That's why the oldest son got the double blessing is because he had the responsibility no matter what. If you live long enough, your kids would take care of you. It's interesting. Look at our now our Western culture. We flip that and we say we're going to try to, to the very end, do enough to support our children and grandchildren and then hope we can come out of this thing okay. And that's exactly the opposite of what the Almighty had set up for the whole society and system. And he uses as an example of that they're going with man-made stuff. So I just find it interesting that you see the same thing present even to this day. That's what he meant by honor your father and mother. So look what he does in verse 14. He takes it a step further. So he's having this little dust up with the Pharisees. Now in verse 14, it says he called the crowd to him, which is very interesting because we don't see him doing that very often. Usually he's kind of running from the crowd. This time it's like, okay, ho, 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 everybody come up here. I got something you need to hear based on this conversation he just had. He says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. He's going to give him a little classic Jesus parable. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So he's just going to drop a little truth bomb on this whole thing about the traditions of men and everything they had always thought. I mean, think about it. that was, that's a bold statement. He says, nothing goes in, makes you unclean. It's what comes out. Which he's trying to give so a verse picture 17. of the soul and the heart and the character and the, you know, what, what drives a man. He's trying to give them that picture, which is why Jesus is famous for when people say he saves you from the inside out. And it's and think about it, Jace. It's a complete paradigm shift for everything that these folks have ever known. They've always thought it was the outside that made you clean or not clean. Mm-hmm. And he said, nope. It's always about the heart. Of course, this is consistent because he talks about your eyes and what you see and your heart and reflection. So he's been teaching this all along. You look at the, you know, in the Beatitudes as well. But I mean, this was a in this moment, he said, I'm going to do a little truth bomb and, and set these guys up. <clears throat> so let me read the rest of it. Uh, let's take a break. So now in verse uh, 17, he says, after he had left the crowd, so he just like gives them a little short dissertation. He entered, entered the house. His disciples asked him about the parable. So now it's kind of the same pattern we see. Jesus has a little dust up. He teaches a parable. Then the disciples are like, okay, well, what does it mean? Because, again, they don't get it. What like, what are you saying, so dull? I, yeah, I like that. What they're saying life. is uh, these certain foods are making me very sinful. It must be my diet, what I'm eating, <laughs> which is a leap. <laughs> it's all if I get off at certain certain foods – or if they're not prepared in a certain way, and if I don't eat a certain brand of food, boy, that's really making me sinful. That's what my problem is. I need to change my diet. That's what they were saying. That's right. And and, and to your point, Dad, think about it. I mean, there were food laws. There were th- certain things they couldn't eat back in the yep. desert when they first came uh-huh. out of Egypt. And so all this time, they would never touch certain foods. At all, and Jesus has just shifted everything because he says nothing you eat makes you unclean. Yep. So I mean, I can just see the scramble back to Jerusalem with the Pharisees. You're not going to believe what he's saying now. I mean, they had they had predicated all everything on this. You know, just look what God did, and when He sent him a message in that John 17, I mean uh, Acts 17, when He sent a movie screen out of heaven, it had all these different kinds of animals on it. Four-footed animals, fish of the sea, a whole list of things. And he said, get up, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter, even after running with Jesus in this speech, was still hanged, hung up on it a little bit. You see uh, what I'm saying? That was Acts 10. No. Yeah, Acts 10. I said, what did I say? 17? 17. Acts 10. So Acts 17 is good. It also. is interesting that Peter wrestled with that. Surely not I. I can't eat some of this stuff. And he said, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. Yeah. Arise, kill, and eat, Peter. 
And that shows you, Dad, how ingrained this was. Because oh. even post res post resurrection, that's right. Post you know Holy Spirit being poured out, Peter, Peter was still is still struggling with it. He was There's still, still people. There's still people on the planet right now. Samuel, Pat. Oh, no, you can't eat that. Well, keep in mind too when when that sheet came down that that was a there's a there was a bigger message there that God was unfolding that what he's ultimately talking about is the inclusion of us the Gentiles into the people of faith and That's he's right. saying don't call don't call these people I'm I'm calling the Gentiles into faith don't call them unclean That's anything right. anything that I've called clean do not call clean but I, I um when you were reading that I, I was reminded of this verse and um. First Timothy or Second Timothy three, and it talks about uh, people who are abusive, lovers of money, people who disobey their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Uh, this is in Second Timothy chapter three, and it says they have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. Avoid such people. Uh, that, that's really the what what you see here with the Pharisees. It's it's the appearance of godliness, and so it's the whitewashed tomb that on the surface. You know, it looks holy. It looks good, but just 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 beneath the surface, you just scratch a little bit beneath the surface, and you actually see what's really going on here. Which is what ultimately this is the kind of you know conversations that get Jesus killed in the end. But I mean, he's 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 land blasting them here. Well, and he, he's he's dropping truth bombs, and and when we get there, uh, which we probably won't to the next podcast, but the next two couple of uh, healings that happen. Are, are also a look ahead because we're looking into the Gentile world. And again, no matter what these people were thinking, they sure weren't thinking the Gentiles ever had a shot. But Jesus is talking about everything here. He's laying out this bigger picture situation. So let me let me read the rest of this, and uh, we'll discuss in the last few minutes in overtime. So I don't know, Jesus just having a day or what? Because he starts out with the hypocrites to the Pharisees. Now to his disciples, he said, are you so dull? In verse 18, there's nothing more Don't frustrating than nothing. a dull knife, you know? <laughs> Let me just think about how frustrated. Right. You have a dull knife, it just won't cut. You finally, you generally throw it away, but it just shows you how frustrated he is. He's frustrated. You're exactly right. And and if someone calls you a dullard, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good insult. So he says, are you so dull? Don't you see? that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean. So he basically just repeats what he told the crowd for it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. So he basically gives them just a little biology lesson (laughs) (laughs) about what food's purpose is. It's simple on the face face of it, but it was a big deal in those days and still is some, some parts of the world. Well, you, you still have people that have certain days that can't eat certain foods, oh, yeah. you know, even in Christianity. So oh, you're yeah. right. So Mark does what he does throughout this whole section. He gives another little parenthetical thought, which shows you he was aiming this some at Gentiles, too. He said, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now, that's a huge statement. And Dad, you, made, you made the point because even post resurrection ascension, it's going to be a huge struggle. For people in the first century church, there's a lot of people on planet Earth. How they saying you can't kill animals and eat them? I mean, they're they're against the killing of animals and eating them. I mean, it's their religion. Well, you had that. You had that. Well, Timothy made that reference, and you know they were still having problems with this way after that. You remember in First oh, yeah. Timothy four one, it says the spirit. Clearly says that in a later time, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I mean, you think this is really fixed to be some kind of crazy logic? Yeah. And he says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Here's Here's what they do. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving, because those who... For those who believe and know the truth, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving and consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Yep. That pretty well. And that covered. was the bombshell. Oh, oh man. my goodness. But it comes back to those traditions. And to this rules. day, it's still here. Yeah. And Jace, to your point, that was written probably 60, well, it would have been 30 years after Jesus, so around 60 AD. 
is when that was written. So we're t- you'd think 30 years later they would have gotten this, those early disciples, but it was still a major problem because they had all these laws that you mentioned. So I read these last couple of verses. Um, he went on in verse 20. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. So that's the third time he said this. For what, for from within, out of men's hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. That was the bombshell, because he introduced here that he's representing God's character and and the decision-making process that we make every day. I mean, which is why I think in a small way, this is why they missed it about the bread and, you know, feeding the 5,000. I mean, Jesus came here to transform us. This preaching the good news and teaching about the gospel, all these things are going to affect how we operate and the decisions we make. And that is really was the most transformative part of what he was bringing. All of a sudden, he's he's getting down Ooh. in where we really live, where we yep. thought was a secret place in you know our secret sins. You can't blame the food for what you're eating. It's the opposite. Well, and you shouldn't give an appearance based on outward appearance that you got it all together. Yeah. Oh, your hands are washed and your hair is perfect and your how you carry the your long dress. robes you're wearing. You, you boy, you just look holy. I'm you know, telling I'm you. telling you, but we all know the truth that there's no one righteous. Uh, when when pour some water in a in a in a container. And somehow in your mind, this is holy water. This will make you holy. Sprinkle yourself. We know what happens in bedrooms and when people aren't watching and what people think. I mean, it's just, it's it's a harsh reality of human beings that we're all sinful. Well, think about that, Jason. We're, we're like common sense human beings, like you just said. And we're all sinners and we know that. So we look at people and we realize they're sinners. We're, in a sense, we're all hypocrites. But imagine you're Jesus and they're they're posing questions to you about why you're not like us and you know you know what they're doing <laughs> you're not doing it but you know Jesus knew these people that were acting like they had it all together what they were actually doing when the lights were out and so it no wonder he got so hot i mean it, it would be appalling you know for somebody to be that hypocritical which and, is terrible and to decide so. to die for him give your life for him that, that was quite the decision and quite, quite the truth of the matter. Exactly. Well, we're out of time uh, for the podcast, but we'll uh, talk a little bit more about this idea of physical versus spiritual and, and this idea of heart uh, when we go to the overtime. If you'd like to follow us over, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. And right now you can get $10 off if you use the promo code Phil. Uh, when you go to subscribe and it's not just our overtime, but everything they offer. So it's blaze tv.com slash unashamed. Use the promo code field, get $10 off. Thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.